Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. If you're new to the church, I'm the lead pastor here at the church with a great team of brilliant people around us in many, many capacities. And it's been fun, this series, Kingdom Influence. And today, on, this, on the, 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 if you like, the, the threshold of going to a week of prayer and fasting, um, I want us to really grasp why prayer is important in the kingdom. The prayer is, is, is absolutely a mandate we've got. Uh, and our theme this morning is prayer that transforms. And you may have been a believer for a few years, uh, and you may not have been a believer for very long, but prayer is a privilege. Prayer is an opportunity. Prayer is something that God gives to us. It's something that's God-given. And so often we squander what God gives us, and prayer is absolutely pinpoint in the heart of what he wants for us. And so we're going to look at that this morning. But people have some very odd prayers at times. And I was looking at um, some odd prayers that came from a group of under 12s, and uh, they wrote them down. And I'm just going to share a few with you. Dear God, are you a ninja? (laughs) Is that why I can't see you? (laughs) Um, You can understand the simplicity of the question, can't you? Uh, Dear God, uh, please change the uh, the taste of asparagus. It's gross. (laughs) I actually quite like asparagus, but anyway, dear God, did you mean for a giraffe to look like that, or was it an accident? <laughs> Norma. And uh, dear God, if you give me a genie lamp like a, um, what's that, Aladdin, I'll give you anything you want except my money or my chess set. Interesting, isn't it? How a child um, responds. Uh, the one I really like was this one. Dear God, thank you for my uh, for the baby for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> Right, you know, Artie Kendall will say, "Be thankful for unanswered prayer. It may be a sign of God's favor." It's interesting, isn't it? You know, sometimes we think, "Oh, God didn't give me what I asked for," but sometimes we really don't need what we ask for. And um, but you know, God does want to bless us and want to give to us. He wants a very, very close relationship with us. It's a huge privilege to be able to pray. It is. It's knowing who we're praying to and why we pray is a huge privilege. And we're going to unpack it this morning because prayer is central to the kingdom of God. And we haven't actually looked at this topic specifically so far in our kingdom series. But in our series, our vision is to grow, to bring growing kingdom influence and transformation to every area of our lives, community and beyond. Well, we could be working very, very hard and not praying, let me tell you. We could work very, very hard to try and transform and not be praying. We could be doing so much hard work that you're getting worn out with your hard work and not praying and actually missing it. And we just need to remind ourselves that God has put prayer into our vocabulary for a reason. I was so blessed this morning to see baby Catherine at the back left-hand corner of the room. Um, Those of you who've been... Let's just show some appreciation. And... um, Little baby Catherine um, was dedicated three weeks ago, was it? Um, relatively recently anyway, because there was a very serious operation going to happen in her life on that Friday. And, um, you know, there were some complications with it. And we just got our heads down in prayer and stood with the family and many, many people in, in the Latin life group I know were absolutely prayer warriors in that space. And praise God, it looks like baby Catherine's, I was going to say, back on her feet, but she can't walk yet properly. <laughs> or maybe she can, I don't know. But praise God for an answer to prayer. Um, but kingdom influence is about prayer. 
If we, don't, if we don't see it, we are completely missing the core powerhouse of God. Prayer is where the? That sounds really low in power. Can we say it again? Prayer is where the? Because it is. And why do I know that? Because Jesus' disciples knew that that's where the power was. Um, Philip Yancey, a writer on prayer, said the struggles in the Christian life circle around the same two themes. Why God doesn't act the way we want God to, and why I don't act the way God wants me to. Prayer is the precise point where these themes converge. Now, that's quite a lot to take in, I know, on a Sunday morning, second service. The first service was very good, by the way. They understood it immediately. I don't know if you guys are struggling. Maybe you got up a bit later. Maybe that's what it is. But let me just say, why God does... You know, people struggle. Why didn't God do what I wanted him to do? It's his fault I'm in this mess. That's it. If he hadn't done that, or if he hadn't answered my prayer about the puppy, right, (laughs) or whatever... Then, then I would be doing something different. We always love to blame somebody. If it's not God, it's a friend or an enemy. It's, we're going to blame somebody about a reason for doing what we do. Why God doesn't act the way we want God to is a problem. And the other big problem is why I don't act the way God wants me to. Because actually, that's the one we don't like to think about. That actually God's constantly driving us into an awareness of prayer and the importance of it. Why? Because that's what he wants us to do. Because in the intimacy of prayer, we begin to know our Father's voice. And if you don't know your Father's voice, you will be making up the plot all over the place. You will not get clarity, and you'll end up learning the hard way. (laughs) What's it like with children when they don't listen or they don't speak to their mum and dad? You know, you just, you just know what's going to happen. There's either going to be a bit of discipline in there or there's going to be a falling over. Whatever happens, there's going to be tears. You just know it, don't you? And God must pull his proverbial teeth out, you know, at times where, where we're concerned. But, um, but the disciples saw in the life of Jesus a life that prayed. They saw a life that prayed. They saw the miracles and they followed him and they trusted his teaching. But they saw a man who prayed a lot. There's a lot in Scripture about the prayer life of Jesus. He went away to pray. In fact, before he went into ministry, he went into 40 days of prayer and fasting. Right into the, 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 the playground of the enemy who tempted him and took him into situations. So prayer is absolutely vital for anything we're going to kickstart. When great prayer takes place, great moves of God take place. Let me tell you this. Where great prayer does not take place, great moves of God do not take place. It is binary. Those of you who can add up, if you can, who can add, say one, one, say two. There you go. A or B, one, two. It's one or the other. That's what it is. Prayer is either happening or it's not happening. If it's not happening, you aren't seeing a great move of God in your life. If you are praying, you will see a great move of God in your life. And as a church, if we don't pray, we'll be watching, waiting for God to do something and not knowing when it's going to happen. The disciples saw Jesus in Luke 11.1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. You see, they saw that John the Baptist prayed as well. They saw it. Um, They saw that the power in Jesus' life came out of his relationship with his father. I bet you when he went and spoke to them after his prayer times, he he would say to them, I've just spoken to the father. He's just told me about this. This is what I need to talk to you about. This is what I need to share with you. This is where we're going next, and this is what the plan is. 
This is why it's important you understand. I should think he was doing that on a regular basis and they could see it. And then they saw the miracles. It's interesting that the disciple didn't ask. He didn't say, teach us to do miracles. Interesting, isn't it? He didn't say, teach us to make the best red wine in the world. He didn't say, teach us to walk on water. He said, teach us to pray. That's because they saw prayer. Let me tell you, dads, if you don't pray, your kids will never learn the power of prayer. Or they will learn it a lot later in the day. If you don't pray, if they don't hear you praying, if they don't see you praying, if they don't see your passion for prayer, what are you doing in your kid's life? What's going on? Uh, you know, mums as well to some degree, but we know dads have got a huge influence in their homes. If they're there. And if they're there, pray. Let your kids know you're praying. Let your kids know what you're praying about. And the answers to prayer, bring them to a place of grasping that. When great prayer takes place, great moves of God take place. Knowing how to pray. So a parallel piece of scripture in Matthew, at, when the, at the time when Jesus was teaching the Beatitudes, he broke into that Sermon on the Mount and then started to talk about prayer. And he said, when you pray, do not heap up uh, empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that what they, will, they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now that causes problems. Because if God already knows, why do I need to go through the agony of prayer? Because prayer, you know, Bill Johnson says, you know, if you're going to fall asleep, fall asleep in prayer. Because at least it's best to fall into the arms of your father. Right? But interestingly enough, Prayer is challenging. Prayer is always going to need to interrupt your life. It's always going to stop you doing something else. That's the whole point. You know, as we move into a week of prayer and fasting, why do we fast? It's because we're saying no to the flesh. We're saying no to the mind that says, I want, I want, I want. If I don't get it, I'm not. It's saying no to the body. It's saying no. It's saying yes to God. Saying yes to the Spirit of God. That's what prayer and fasting is about. It's no to me, and by the way, you can survive. Now, we're not saying people with medical reasons or particular situations where fasting is dangerous for you to do that. We don't ever want to make people feel awkward about it, but you can do way more than you think you can do. I'm telling you, the first two days are the headache days. If you drink a lot of coffee like I do, and I like a nice Peruvian coffee for breakfast, a nice litre of it, <laughs> you know, if that's what your habit is with caffeine, it's going to get headaches. This week, I've stopped the caffeine, so I won't get the headaches. So I'm just prepping it so that we can get into a week of prayer and fasting and focus on the spiritual side of our lives and grow the power of God in us. And so, um, you know, this is incredible. When you pray, don't heap empty praises, uh, heap up empty um, phrases as the Gentiles do. In other words, it's not rote, it's relationship. It's all about relationship. But the Father knows, and he still wants us to pray. But if Jesus knew that was important, then we've got to face that reality that he knows what we need, but he still wants us to pray. There is no other way to be close to God but prayer. There isn't. You can't get the answers by having a chat with someone over, over dinner or you'll get some answers, but not, you won't get God's heart. Knowing what to pray then. In that parallel chapter, Matthew 6, 9 and 10, Jesus went on to say, Pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, many of us will know those, that prayer, those lines. It's, it's the first half of the Lord's Prayer. Um, and it's interesting because the Lord's Prayer is pretty much split in half. There's a, there's a framework in this. 
When you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Why in heaven? Because God wants us to intimately know him as Father. We know the intimacy of family. Families all over the New Testament. The nature of being born into a family. Coming to faith and being God's son or daughter. It's, it's what we've, we are drawn to. But at the same time, there's the sovereignty of God. There's the righteousness of God. There's the absolute justice of God. There's the God who is before all things. There's the God who you cannot mess with. And sometimes in our easy come, easy go life, we, we don't think like that. We love God's grace. We don't like the fact that God will have the last word. We don't like the fact that God actually commands us to do things. We don't like the fact that God expects us to respond and do the right thing in the right way. We don't like it. We like to just do what we want, kick off, do our own things, have our own views, run our own life, and then when we're struggling, come back to him and say, God, get me out of the mess. Now, I'm not saying that isn't acceptable to God, but what a waste of life. That's the point. And what does this prayer start off with? Father in heaven, hallowed, holy be your name. You know, as we're approaching God as Father, but at the same time, God is the ultimate authority on holiness. He is holiness. And so, hallowed be your name. And it made me think, I was in, um, I had some time off a little while back, and I was, I was just praying, God, how do you want me to pray today? And I started to think about the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name. And then I immediately started to think about the different ways God is described in the Old Testament and the New There are many names for God. I've got some of the more well-known ones on screen here. He's our Father in heaven. It's relationship, but it's reverence at the same time. You cannot kick off and think God doesn't see it. You cannot just do your own thing and think, well, I can do that because of God's grace. You can't. God is righteous and holy, and it's in this prayer. And look at these names for God. Uh, Yahweh, Jehovah, Lord, the self-existing one, the I am that I am. That's how he introduced himself to Moses. Interestingly enough, Jesus also said that in John 8, 58. I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus tied himself directly to the Father as God. That's what he did. So, Father in heaven, Yahweh, Jehovah, self-existing one, the, the, the eternal one, Elohim. Sometimes shortened to L, in fact, often shortened to L and added to names in the Bible and added to the end of names in the Bible because of a reference to God. Elohim means creator, mighty and strong. Uh, Yahweh Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, we sometimes say, the Lord will provide. God will provide. Had a brilliant testimony from Daisy in the offering this morning. That, an absolute walking example. And I remember when Daisy first came in. Don't I, Daisy? Yeah, I remember. She, she, you understated the situation, didn't you, quite perfectly. But brilliant to see God's hand on Daisy's life and that rapid move into discovering who he is and understand principles of releasing stuff in your life. Um, God will provide. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Maybe there's healing required in, in your life or in people you know. God is the God who does heal. We have seen miracles of healing in our church. We've seen miracles of healing in prayer meetings. We've seen it in services. I've seen it in mission. I've seen it. Not everybody has been healed that I've prayed for, but I'm still going to pray by faith and state in the name of Jesus, be healed because it's a mandate God's given us. And we will see people healed. 
you know, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. What's the banner? It's the, it's the rallying point in conflict. We come to God, not to somewhere else. We come to God in times of pressure and, and strain and, and not understanding and under conflict. We come to God. Let's remind ourselves of who He is. The Lord our banner. The Lord our peace. Shalom. Lord our peace, Yahweh, from um, Judges. The Lord our peace, but it's in other places in the Bible. The Lord is our shepherd in Psalm 23. Everyone knows the Lord is my shepherd. The most famous psalm in, in probably Western world, in the Western world. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's one of the names for God. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. He will, but shepherds have got a staff. They're not just there to feed the sheep. They're there to guide the sheep. And then Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. God is righteous. That means we've got to be right with God. It means that we've got to try and do that. We don't just go, you know, it doesn't matter. We've got to work at our salvation in the right way. It's by grace we're saved, not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. But we've got to realize that we're coming to the holy of holies when we come to God. We're coming to the, the great I am. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. That's the Jesus we follow. You know, on Saturday morning, we had a life group leaders training morning. Really good to have people coming into that training. And I actually did a bit of a sneaky thing. We had a, a Bible discovery experience. There's a little thing you can do if you're going to be a life group leader or if you're in a life group. And it helps with kind of finding what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about in Scripture. It's a great tool. And some of the life groups are using it. Other life groups can use it. And uh, we were doing it. And we, we chose the Scriptures from the Lord's Prayer. And somebody in the meeting um, said... You know, when I was a child, age six, my mum, who was not a Christian, told me I should pray the Lord's Prayer. It just sounded like the right thing to do. So every night from a six-year-old, on her knees, beside the bed, would pray. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Probably didn't really understand it, but prayed it every night, every night. The mum was not a Christian. At the age of 16, that little girl had gone from six to 16. She gave her life to Christ. And now those words meant something that perhaps before they didn't mean so much. And at that point, her life started to change. I'm going to pray for my mum and dad, who don't know Jesus, to find Jesus. Jehovah Zidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Praying into the future with her mum and dad. Let me tell you, a lot of time went by. A lot of time. Her mum eventually came to faith in her late 60s, and her dad came to faith in their, at the age of 70. Incredible. At a Youth for Christ meeting. That's what I find amazing. But their lives got transformed. And it never stopped all the way through. Not because the, this prayer is a ritual. It's because this prayer means something. It's a framework to guide us. Knowing what to pray. The second part of the Lord's Prayer, uh, from verse 11 and, and through to 12, it says, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or sins as we also have forgiven our debtors or those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So often we approach prayer in part two. We stick this as our priority. God, I need, I need, I need. Our daily bread really represents all our needs in life. So when we ask God to provide our daily bread, we're saying, God, everything we need can you provide. And of course God is the provider. And it's right that we ask him to provide. With equal merit, I will say, in these three areas um, are what we need daily and forgiveness and then temptation and deliverance. They all have equal prominence in this piece of Scripture. Don't ignore that. Because what's going on here is that God is saying, yes, ask for what you need, 
But now, where are you going to forgive? Because, you know, the biggest barrier between people is unforgiveness. The biggest barrier is bitterness. Um, it's, it's triggered by all sorts of things. But unforgiveness will interfere with your prayer life, I'm telling you. In fact, it will even interfere with your own salvation. Can you believe that? It says here, um, verse 14, it goes on to say, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. There is no gray in that. It's yes or no. That's a command. Forgive. It's about forgiveness. It's about facing the realities. Actually, unforgiveness does something extremely powerful, let me tell you. Unforgiveness is the biggest wide open door to another kingdom to enter your life. You see, it starts off with God and his will and his kingdom. It now is going directly into verse 13. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's the hallmark of the other kingdom. That's what's going on. And temptation comes when we don't forgive. I'm telling you, forgiveness and bitterness and resentment about stuff will not only damage your your prayer life, it will damage potentially your eternity, but it will open the door wide open for the enemy kingdom. And these kingdoms are at war, I'm telling you. They're at war. And so we have got to recognize that with forgiveness, we can start to shut these doors. And actually, you can say no to temptation. And God can provide a way through it. And he will deliver us from evil. But that's the work of the enemy. That's the other kingdom wanting to get into your life. You know, it's important that we are bold in this area. It's important we see the black and white, on, off, yes, no, of what these scriptures say. It's very, very important. Um, you know, my daughter, Olivia, is not here. She's um, away this weekend or today. Um, and just about a week or so ago, at the turning week, uh, of course, the young people couldn't get involved in the evangelism. And she has got a heart for the lost, but she's not that bold at times. And she prayed one morning during the turning week at home, and she would prayed the night before, and I found this out last night. I said, how were you praying in the week of the turning? She said, I prayed specifically one morning. God, give me boldness and great courage and opportunity to share my faith with my friends. Just create something special. And, and she's on it a lot, let me tell you. But she's a quite a shy person at the same time, if you know her well. And, um, and that morning, God answered her prayer. Immediately. She went into school. And by the afternoon, she went into a, I made a, a, a funny slip with the tongue. I said she went into a soteriology class. Well, of course, they don't do that in school. They do sociology. But that sociology class became, became a soteriology class. And you, and you know what soteriology means? It means salvation. It's the study of the doctrines of salvation. And she's in the class, and one girl in the class said, if there is a divine being, why can't we feel or connect with him? Open question. The teacher said, has anybody got an answer for that? And, of course, Olivia stuck her hand up and said, you know, and something of the Holy Spirit came into the situation and just consumed her with a passion because God was answering her prayer. And the teacher went straight to her and said, what's your view about that? And she just laid out for about 10 minutes what it is to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What it means to have your life transformed by God, not only becoming to you, but coming into you. And the whole relationship potential of transformation and change. And she, you know, the kids in the class, they were sitting there looking, looking at her. And she said, I, I, 
It was like it wasn't me even talking. Well, I know what was going on, and we know what was going on. The Holy Spirit was taking a divine moment to trigger something that she could never have done in herself. And what happened? They cheered at the end of her 10-minute oratory. And people were going, whoop, whoop. You know, they were like getting into it. What an amazing thing. And then she said, oh, then it's like I suddenly realized what was going on. I had to kind of, it was me again, you know. But, um, but what an amazing answer to the prayer. And by the way, there's an amazing journey there with her friends in a local secondary school. Don't tell me that there isn't a place for God in our schools. Don't tell me our youth teams are not going to be effective as they launch ministries into many local schools. Luke, Alex, you guys, you guys have got a massive potential opportunity. And that's where we as a church are by faith seeding into what they're doing. We want them to see opportunities emerge in schools and they have got open doors. But you know, prayer is always something that leads to the prophetic. It's not just a plaster over a tricky situation. The prophetic nature of prayer, it's the runway. Prayer, you may not think of yourself as a prophet or prophetic, but prayer, the more you pray, the more you realize you're praying not about my needs, but your kingdom come. And when you start switching from my needs, my needs, my needs, and God must be sitting there thinking, can you get off your needs and get onto my kingdom? Because that's where all the change is going to happen. And so as you get on that that prayer focus, as you launch, you suddenly realize you are praying into the change in people's lives around you, the change in others' lives, the change in circumstances, the change that's going to improve and multiply. Lord, your kingdom come. All the stuff we've been teaching about. And this parallels perfectly with a piece of scripture in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 37. There's a prophet, Ezekiel, and God speaks to him. The Lord, it says in Ezekiel 37, 1 to 3, the Lord, Yahweh, We just talked about that a minute ago. The Lord took hold of me and I was carried by the Spirit, Ruah in Hebrew. Um, I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. Verse 2, he led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Can they? This is, the, this is where prayer comes into its own. Because in our relationship with our Father, knowing the sovereignty of God, we can come into a place where we can speak to what's dead. And God will work with us. That's why prayer is so important. It's not to give you a hard time to speak to Him. It's so that when He wants you to speak for Him, you can bring life to what's dead. That's what the heart of prayer is. It's not a Wednesday night prayer meeting. Oh, do I have to go again? They keep talking about prayer as well. It's because God wants you to speak life to what's dead in the world around you, to speak life to what's dead in your world. It's to speak life to where deadness has occurred, where something has killed your potential. So what is it? What needs to have new life? Ezekiel was told, then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. This is huge. God is choosing to work through the prophetic voice to the deadness around them. And people, that's what God's called us to be. People who can speak into what's dead. Where people are dead and dying, the the voice of the prophetic can ring out into a secondary school and say, you can know Jesus Christ. You can know him. You can be transformed by him. But if we don't pray and we just make it, oh, well, maybe I will this week. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe I'll give it a go. Maybe I won't. You know, someone did some research and the average Christian prays for three minutes a day. (laughs) 
How on earth is this kind of miracle going to happen in three minutes a day? Not that it can't, because God is amazing. But what needs a freshness in our life? What needs to be living again? Maybe we need a fresh passion. Do we need a fresh passion for Jesus Christ, for God and his kingdom? Do we need a a fresh revelation of actually God's sovereignty? That he's the boss, not me. That you don't have to be in control of everything. That God is the one who will guide and lead. Do we need a fresh encounter with him? Are we playing at church? Are we playing at being in, in, in the kingdom? And actually we're not. We're just kind of walking around hearing this thing talked about. But it's not really changing very much. Maybe we need a fresh encounter. What needs new life? Ezekiel 37, 79. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Just as he told me. Not just as I dreamed up. Not just as I thought about. Just because it was my desire. I spoke as he spoke to me. There was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. The skin formed over to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Again, God's saying, son of man, you do it. You do it. I'm allowing you to share in my glory Well, he won't share his glory, but he allows us to be part of his glory expressed, let's say. God draws us in. Breathe, and he takes the prophet and says, speak this, breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. That's the power we've got in prayer. And this week of prayer and fasting could be amazing to see the dead come to life. What's dead? What's dead? You know, a crazy situation. I've done so much traveling in my life. And my passport, I've been to a lot of places. And I went on a missions trip. And I went to the Middle East, to a country that will remain nameless. And um, I had a passport cover on my passport. And I went to, I, you know, I was being very kind. I, I said to the team, go on, you go through the passport control first. We were in this country. And uh, they all went through. And I'm the last pretty much to go through. I was the last to go through. Thinking, make sure the team are all right. I get to the, I get to the, the guy on the passport control. He looks at it takes the cover off. I'd forgotten to check the back of my passport. That particular country had a problem with certain things to do with certain passports. And guess what they found? A problem with my passport. There was a sticker on the back of my passport that gave them an absolute uh, heads up about something. And so I'm thinking, oh my goodness, how has that guy noticed that sticker? I didn't even know it was there. And the guy said, anyway, there was a dialogue that took place. And um, he said, please come with me. And so my team's walking through all happy, and I've got the funds, and I'm now walking towards a group of 12 guards with guns and uniforms looking very, very austere. And I'm thinking, God, oh, this can't be happening. Because they would literally refuse me entry and send me back. Or worse, who knows? And, I'm, and what do you think I did? I was, I was very um, unsettled. Let's just say that. I was about to use a vernacular expression. But um, I was quite unsettled by this. I'm thinking, God, I can't, this can't happen. And so I didn't step into the room. They took my passport. I thought, I'm staying out of there, otherwise I'll be intimidated. I thought, I'll just lean against the door frame so I can pray really fast and hard. God, get me out of here. Get me out of this mess. God, make a way that is impossible in this situation because they're going to send me home. And, this is, and they, the guys, in front, they won't know. And I'm looking in and they're checking on the internet, seeing if I'm a villain. I've been wanted all over the world. Anyway, it, they didn't find anything, praise God. Um, anyway, eventually I'm thinking, here they come. They're going to drag me in and I'm going to be in trouble. He goes, pull the sticker off on your way. And it was just such a relief for me. It was a moment. I mean, literally, I would have been on the next flight back. But 
I just dived into prayer. God, you make a way. You are the God who makes a way where no one else can make a way. Make it happen for me. They were well within their rights to refuse me entry, and it happened. So what needs new breath in our life? Maybe your dreams need a new breath. Maybe your dreams are stuck. Maybe your dreams are limited. Maybe there's something gone wrong. Maybe a lot of things have gone wrong. Maybe your marriage is in a very difficult place. Maybe, just maybe, it's dry and it's barren and maybe it's a dead valley. Maybe your finances, maybe you, I haven't even, maybe you can't get your head around why giving is so important in the kingdom of God. Maybe you haven't seen the release of your capacity to give in the kingdom. Maybe that's dead. Maybe there's other stuff that's just dead in your life. Maybe there are relationships around you that have been really badly damaged because of stuff that's gone on. Maybe it is a valley of dry bones. Maybe in the community around you, you know people where actually it's terrible. Their experience of life is terrible. There's no hope for them without Jesus Christ. Maybe your faith is at an all-time low. And maybe your spiritual journey needs to have new life in it. Maybe today you just need God's breath in you. Maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've just watched church or you've watched your friends or you've heard about Jesus, but you've never done anything. You need God's breath in you. You don't want to be a walking dead body with flesh over a skeleton and no life in you. You want God's ruach voice. You want God's breath of life. You want God to be in you. You want his spirit in you. This is an incredible picture. You want the call of God on your life. What is that call of God going to look like? If it's the same as it was yesterday, who knows? Maybe God wants to transform your future. What is it? It's so exciting that we can get to these places in prayer. Ezekiel 37.10 says, So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. And they all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. A great army. An incredible story of how God uses people or a person to be their man or woman at a place where life can be brought to what is dead. That's the power of prayer. You know, you may say, oh, it's not going to happen to me. Matthew 19, 26 says, with men it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Either we believe it or we don't. We've come to the end of our message this morning. And we're going to get the worship team up. And we're going to worship for a few minutes. Then we're going to do communion. God has got just such a plan for each one of us. Maybe you do know him. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe there's areas of your life that feel like they're dead or they're dry valleys. God's not had access to that area maybe. Or maybe, maybe you know situations that just need God's life to come to them. We can breathe that into their lives by working with God in prayer this week. It's incredible by being open and honest with ourselves. So we're going to sing a song. In fact, this song, if it's the same one as the first service, uh, talks about Elohim. God, the creator, God, the maker, the one who breathes life. And we're going to sing that now. So let's stand. I'm going to hand over to the worship team as they take us through the song. Mm-hmm.